The Midwife Crisis podcast will touch on sensitive topics regarding the human body, sexuality, pregnancy, and all aspects of women's health care and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Lester Holt. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm PR, and this is the Midwife Crisis. Because it's not just you. So, listen, PR, I gotta get out of here today, so let's just, let's do this thing real quick, let's wrap it up. Where are you going? Well, I have a date with my annual exam. We've done one full orbit around the sun, and it's that time that I check in with my midwife, get my get my lady bits, you know, tip, <laughs> tip top shape. Well, that's good timing, because we're going to be talking about the annual GYN exam, or what we like to call exam jam. This is like, this is where we would totally rock out, right? Yeah, I don't rock, but anyways, <laughs> okay. Getting back to you really quickly, before we get into the details of Exam Jam, why don't you just hop on a table when you're at work and get your your exam done? That's a super good question. Yeah. The reason why I don't do that is actually because I like to prepare myself a little bit, and I think a lot of people do. Um, it helps me to feel really comfortable in front of someone when you're kind of vulnerable and, and you know, nude, uh, to feel like I'm really kind of fresh. Interestingly, I'm not ever super worried about my vulva or vagina, which is funny because that's, you know, what the exam usually is kind of focused on. But I get really worried about like my armpits. You know, when they're doing the breast exam, I want to make sure that I'm not smelly and I've got a nice new layer of uh, my natural deodorant. Um, Yep. I like to make sure (laughs) my feet are clean and I like to have socks on. Anyone who knows me knows that I never match my socks. So it feels good to just have my nice little mismatched socks at the bottom of the table. Um... And yeah, clothes that are easy on, easy off. It's also really nice for me too to know which provider I'm seeing. So I don't particularly care. I don't have any specific providers I have to see, but I like to just know ahead of time to kind of like, you know, know who I'm going to be hanging with and just be in a really good place. Gotcha. I have a few requirements. Um, my, I do hop on the table though, just with whatever. You should see her hop. <laughs> I can hop too. Um, I have, but I do have a few requirements. My examiner has to be female. And I think that if you've listened to some of our previous episodes, which I do encourage you to do so, and especially in episode number, uh, the first episode, uh, that explains why I prefer female uh, examiners. Um, I need for it to be the first thing in the morning when I'm clean and fresh. I can't be running around the office because smelling like bush country. Um, <laughs> Um, because the armpits get sweaty and under the the girls get sweaty and, and down in the bush get sweaty too. <laughs> so anyways, um, I like for that to be t- and taken care of. And down there, I want it to be um, trimmed and my feet to be, I have a pedicure. I don't like crusty feet, ashy feet, ashy anything. Um, and so I like to do it with someone that I know, but it doesn't have to be the same person all the time. Um, but I don't want to do it by surprise. Um, I don't believe in uh, all that shaving and waxing and all that stuff per se, but I do trim it. Here's a here's a neat little fun fact for all you gals out there of a certain age. Um, as you get older, you don't have to trim anything because it just trims itself by not growing. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so anyways, I just thought that that was funny. I don't 
wear socks, so that's why I like my feet to be done. And I'm conscious of that because people's feet are always in my face, and I take a look at them. Um, so anyhow, those are my few little requirements. Um, and I, it, you know, first thing in the morning, just get it done with. Yeah. So one thing I get asked a lot by all different types of people is just when is the right time to start having a women's annual exam um, or an annual exam, you know, for people with uterus? And when can I stop having an annual exam? And the answer to this isn't all that simple. You know, everyone's different, but I typically tell folks that once you started menarche or, um, you know, beginning to have your period Or uh, when people with uteruses are ready to check in, you should meet with a GYN. And there's lots of good reasons for that, just to get situated, know what it's like, just to kind of dip your toes in. So what do we do at a teen well woman exam? Or, you know, someone who's under 21 per se. Um, We do a general health intake. It's a a lot like having your physical, actually, if it's done properly Mm -hmm. with your general um, practice provider. Um, so we do a general health. We kind of get to know you. What are your preferred pronouns, your orientation, if you're aware of that? Social history, are you in school? Do you like sports? Do you exercise? Your medical and surgical history, um, procedures and treatments that you may have had. Um, your vaccinations, are they current? Including Gardasil, which protects against HPV. That's right. Um, your menses history have you gotten your period yet and you know how long have you had it when did you get it how is it um your sexual history are you interested in in males females uh, other uh, are you interested in birth control or no or none or how are you protecting yourself from sexually transmitted infections if you are sexually active with um partners and you're if you're interested in some kind of uh, hormonal contraception what is your risk for clots Um, I'll take a a break right here just to mention that initially during that exam, I tend to invite the parent in or whoever is with them, the adult, whoever they came with, and say, do you have any concerns and what would you like to see happen here? And then I invite them out. Mm-hmm. And um, because I, you know, this is a this is the beginning of trying to teach that patient of how to self care and how to be self responsible, and and then we can and that's when I do all the history as far as you know she would know. I do ask the parent or whoever has brought her in to um, tell me any information that's pertinent, and we may have to invite them back in if we need some details that the patient doesn't know Mm -hmm. but anyways um and then I close the door and I tell the patient this is Vegas and now that you're in here what you tell me I'm not going to tell them Mm -hmm. and it goes both ways what you tell me I'm not going to tell them um to protect you also I'm not you know there are things they may expect me to tell them and I'm not going to tell them because Mm -hmm. that's not how the law works that's right Um, Yeah, some people will say, oh, well, she's under 18, so she's a minor. But in our office, if you're coming and seeking care, that doesn't really apply. No, it doesn't. And so it doesn't matter that they're paying for the insurance and they're paying for the co-pays and the visits and all that stuff. It it doesn't. Once that door closes, then everything is, we're HIPAA bound. That being said, I do want to just mention, too, that you sign a lot of papers when you come into that visit. And one of the papers sometimes says, is there someone that it's okay to share your health information with? Um, And a lot of people just are like, oh, yeah, it's my mom. And they'll just put their name. But just be careful of that, because legally, um, 
you know, if you're signing and saying she's allowed to know everything, you know, that that could cause some issues down the road. I personally, even despite that being signed, if it's something really confidential, like the patient has an STI or something, would never disclose that because it's not life threatening. Um, But yeah, just pay attention to what you're signing. So we also investigate whether there are any safety issues, any um, history of assault or abuse, um, or there is there anything we can do to make things more comfortable? We ask about any concerns that um, she may have, if you want to discuss your periods or contraception, and review of systems, like from your head to toe, how you're feeling. We do a quick physical, and um, we talk about confidentiality, with which Kate addressed um also we both were just talking about just a second ago and what's okay to disclose or not disclose Mm -hmm. um we discuss uh safe sex and the many permutations of such yeah a lot of people always think like safe sex is if you're using contraception but it's also you're protecting yourself from stis and even if you're with you know let's say you're a cisgendered female with a cisgendered female partner you could still you know give each other things like HSV or um, herpes. You could, you know, transmit HPV and BV and all different things. So regardless of your orientation or sexual activities, it's really important to fully address um, if you're taking proper precautions for yourself. Exactly. And we certainly discuss enjoyment, self-care, orgasms, and Hell things yes. like that. And that is sometimes embarrassing for the, for these young folks. Mm-hmm. But um, we, we're trying to get you comfortable with discussing these issues so that you aren't, if you get started now being comfortable, then later on it's not a problem if you have a problem. That's right. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, that is a question I get a lot from young women. And we addressed this in our masturbation episode, but a lot of people will say, how do I know if I've had an orgasm? Or like, how do I get one, you know, or I want to have sex and I want to, you know, climax and feel good with my partner, but I'm not. And how do I get there? And, and, you know, we, we talked about that in detail on that other episode, but I just think it's really important to ask these people, um, if, if they're having sexual activity, if they're enjoying it, if they're happy, if they're having fun. And if you feel like you're wondering, you probably didn't. Right. Um, we also talk about drugs and alcohol and consent talk. And that's super important um, because I think this is a conversation that necessarily uh, parents or guardians don't don't get specific about because the thought is they should your child should not be using drugs or alcohol Mm -hmm. or or talking about consent. Well, not discussing it doesn't make it go away. And what you want to do is teach them how to be self-reliant and protect self protect. And so. Um, you know, with regard to alcohol, not if you're drinking alcohol, which, you know, underage drinking is illegal. But if you're going to do it, then you should not be getting in the car with someone who's been driving, who is driving and has been drinking. Mm -hmm. If you are somewhere where people are drinking, you are always holding your drink in your hand and you're not leaving it unattended for something to be added to it when you're not paying attention. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I hate that we have to say that. But unfortunately, it's true. You know, I a lot of times encourage my girls, especially if they're, you know, in college or anything like that, or my people that I'm caring for to look out for each other, you know, stay together, make sure you're keeping track of each other. If your friend all all of a sudden looks real sleepy, you don't just put her in bed to sleep it off. You know, she could be sick, she might need care. So just, you know, to be really aware that there are some dangers you need to protect yourself. And with regard to drug, you know, experimentation, it's not really... 
And I don't know where it became a good idea. It just isn't. It's <laughs> true. Um, and with regard to consent, no is no. Yes, right. yes is okay, and That's no right. is no. It doesn't feel sexy to stop and say, do you want to do this? But a direct question will get a direct answer. And if you don't want to get yourself wrapped up in some kind of problem where you're like, oh my gosh, did I you know, do something someone didn't want to do? there shouldn't be anything that muddies the water, right? So you should be able to just say yes or no and even be specific, like yes, vagina, no butthole. That's, that's you know, a big one for me. <laughs> Exit only. Yeah, yeah, for, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And when you're talking about that kind of stuff also, I just say, you know, beware of things done in the dark because you don't know. Mm. You wouldn't go in a store and buy something expensive in the dark. And so this is regarding your own body. And so mm-hmm. it's and it's expensive. Mm-hmm. It's it, it means a lot to you. You value it a mm-hmm. lot. So you do not want to do things in the dark that uh, or expose it to things in the dark. I say, you know what? Look at your goods. Just say, I need a quick light peek totally. <laughs> with, with the light. Let me see what I'm getting here. Mm-hmm. And then you can turn the light back off. But yeah, this all this business in the dark. No, I love that. I don't think I've ever. I mean, I always tell people to kind of like check in with each other. But that's so smart because it is usually dark and you can't see anything. And listen, what if they've got a weird little lesion, girl? Yeah, exactly. You'll you'll be the next one with a weird little lesion. That's right. Hmm. Then that's what you'll see where that came from. Be consenting to what you're buying into. Yeah. If you want to buy into that little wart. (laughs) <laughs> then okay well all right he, he's really cute with that little ward I guess I'll have one too but I personally would say no no gracias yeah so something really important that I want to just reiterate to everyone is we do not do routine pelvic exams and no pap if you're under 21 nope so that means really you should be able to kind of go in there and like stay fully clothed. The assessment that we do, we can kind of do it, you know, with just lifting your shirt and kind of taking a quick peek at your breasts, things like that. But you should be able to stay fully dressed. That being said, if you have a concern, if you have a complaint, if there's something that you're like, you know what, I want this evaluated. Absolutely. We are beyond happy to take a look. Um, Something I hear a lot from young, um, you know, people that have vulvas is, I think it looks different. So whether their labia minora is longer, whether their clitoris is, you know, bigger, smaller. I mean, a lot of times they're just like, is this normal? And let me just tell you. um, It does look different. Everybody's looks different. different. That's right. Exactly. And so what's normal for you is what's normal for you. But we are beyond happy to take a look. Um, Additionally, there are ways for us to do exams without a speculum and without any penetration at all, um, including things like STI testing, um, cultures, things like that. I've... um, you know, I really try to give patients some autonomy if they don't want to have any, you know, anything penetrated in them. There's ways that we can kind of work around it and different ways that we can take a look and, and still do a good exam. Um, yeah, so I think it's kind of interesting that we did touch on our first exams way, way back, I think, on our first episode. But while we're talking about these first exams, you know, it's interesting that we clarify that we don't do necessarily exams under 21, but both myself and PR um, did have, you know, full pelvic exams before that. And at the time I went for a GYN exam um, because I was going to have sex with a male and I wanted to have birth control. And um, my experience was great. I had this awesome provider. I had a chaperone. They were slow and kind and um, got consent. They were gentle. I had all these questions like, how's my hymen? And am I going to bleed all over the place when there's a penis in my you know, vagina? And they were great about it. And um, 
it was a really nice experience. And I think that's not always what people have. Womp womp. Yeah. Mine was not. Yeah. Um, and if you have tuned into other episodes, you heard me talk about my first exam and how it influenced me becoming, doing the work that I do and becoming who I am and my treatment of my patients. And so it was uh, essentially, it was an assault and uh, and then I went back six months later and was by the same person assaulted again. And so um, that is why you, we want to inform folks of what is appropriate and that it's not necessary. Um, That's right. To have, you know, to be unclothed and unchaperoned and all those things that I that happened to me that I that I didn't have a chaperone and it wasn't a gentle exam and it wasn't a it wasn't in my best interest and um That's right. you should you it should was the safe. opposite just like we're opposites right it was it was an opposite experience yep. as well mine was great and made me like oh this is actually really cool I think I'm interested in you know women's health and yours was and mine was that, like, yeah. do I have to get raped every time I Ugh. want, I need something from the gynecologist? If you heard that little noise, that was my heart just ripping in two because every time you talk about it, it's so flipping infuriating yeah, to me. Yeah, it's difficult. It's hard. My daughter <sighs> listened because I hadn't told her and she listened to it and she said, I just want to harm someone. <laughs> so... um you know, it's just. But we're gonna do not like to what belabor you did. that. I just want to enlighten everyone right. and use it to spread love. Yes, that's what I want to do, and I I want everyone to know better so that they can do better and have a better experience for sure. Yeah. Um. So, with that said, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about what to expect on your exams after twenty one. Hey guys, it's Chelsea. And it's Ashlyn, and we are the host of Will, Will There Be Tequila? Tequila? Ooh, we did it on point! <laughs> <laughs> so it's a show where we talk about things that are going on in our lives and the world around us, because you know the world's on fire and all that fun stuff. And we also have a little shot on the side. <laughs> so yeah, be sure to check us out every Tuesday wherever you listen to your pods. So Apple Music, Spotify, SoundCloud. Literally anywhere. Drink responsibly. Thanks for coming back to the Midwife Crisis Podcast, where we are discussing annual Well Women exams, our exam jam. So um, those earlier exams that we were talking about before the break should be a little bit easier on patients. Um, now you're going to know what to expect, and now we need to know what to expect in addition to those things when you turn 21. So firstly, I just want to tell people that you can absolutely decline a pelvic exam. Um, I actually have a patient in her 60s who has never had a pelvic exam. She's never been sexually active. She's very low risk for having anything going on. We get creative with her care. We do abdominal ultrasounds um, and things like that and just kind of really do a great review of systems, a great history, um, and just kind of take a quick peek on the external things and, and that's it. And I really feel that it's important that if you are well informed and you understand the risks that we as providers respect, um, you know, respect your decisions and again, meet you where you are. So, and I've had bit. patients who were um, sexually active and younger who it, it took us a few times before we actually did an exam. And that was only when there was a problem that had developed. But 
we had had several visits that led up to that. So there was a trust that was built there. And I right. think that that's really important. Um, and that she felt comfortable coming back to me um, to get the exam. And she came back after school one day without her parent guardian person. And um, and I was glad that she did because mm-hmm. she had um, kind of, she had exposed herself in, in a way that we had talked about she shouldn't. And there wasn't judgment. I was like, this is a lesson. And so let's move forward. But yeah, it, anyways, it, it, several times I saw her without an exam and then we got to the exam. So let's talk about some tips for the first GYN exam. All right. So, I mean, first and foremost, do what's going to make you feel comfortable. So make sure you give yourself plenty of time. You're not, you know, rushing to get to your appointment if you can. Some people like to take like a half day from work or do it on a day that they have off. Um, You know, if you feel better, freshly showered or groomed, or if you feel like you need to get a wax or a pedicure, whatever, go ahead and do those things because you want to feel like you're in your your best element and, and feel really comfortable with yourself. We were having a conversation, and uh, uh, Kate was talking about um, someone, I think it was Kate that was talking about uh, making dates to do GYN exams. Oh yeah, you? yeah. No, no. Or that Dr. was Roskowski. that was Dr. Roskowski, one of our other uh, one of our other uh, guests on the okay. show. But but okay. yeah, I think that is so great. And I have a friend who um, they have mammogram dates actually. I love so they that. go out to they have their mammograms together and then they go have lunch. So mm-hmm. I thought of that after she mentioned the GYN exam dates. And how beautiful, someone you love, making sure that you guys are holding each other accountable for your well being um, and kind of like making it fun. Good, Why not? Good job. Yeah. Talk to the provider first, discuss your concerns or fears, and uh, you know, do this if that's something that you want to do. I have some patients who don't want to talk. They, they're like, you're talking too much. You just need to be quiet. <laughs> that's true. And I just a- hurry up. I need you to hurry up and get out of my hinterlands. And so that's fine. I can do that too. I can, I can flow. That's right. All ways, either any kind of way you want me to flow. And so if you don't want all that talking done or you want to talk afterwards, you just want to hurry up and get this over with, I can, I can do that for you as well. Absolutely. Um, Especially for the first exam, I think you should be familiar with what's going to happen. So ask to see, you know, kind of the tools of the trade. So what does the speculum look like? Ask to hold it and feel it. Um, You know, look at the swabs and the different brushes we use for, you know, the pap smear. Uh, Look at the stirrups. Just make sure that you're sort of comfortable and know what to expect. Uh, Additionally, I just want to throw this out there. The stirrups aren't the best. They're somehow not really aligned well with your feet and your hips. And so I sometimes tell patients, we don't to use the stirrups you know um additionally you can insert your own speculum if that's more comfortable you can you know get your own cultures if that's more you know comfortable for you again many women will just say please just do it (laughs) you know they don't necessarily want to be so so involved in their self-care but again um if you're more comfortable that way let us know you know we're going to be creative and make it work for you the gown opens in the front. That's not, right. Not like the hospital gown where your culo is out and, <laughs> you know, you're running around with your backside in the wind. Um, it's like a robe. And it's like that so that we can examine your breasts and, you know, kind of push on your abdominal organs and That's make right. sure that they feel normal and everything also. So it the it opens to the front. Yeah, and it's kind of like we can also just sort of um, reveal the parts that we need to look at and then cover them back up, which is really nice. It's like a little like strip, you know, like a, if you were in a strip tease, you just open one side, close it up, open the other side, close it up. So um, we can maintain some of that modesty for you. 
Okay. Um, don't worry about tearing the paper. This is a huge one. I just have to tell you, I am a serial paper tearer. Every time I sit on the paper, it tears in 5,000 ways and crinkles underneath me and, you know, my pits get sweaty. And listen, it's fine. We don't care. You're a human being, so don't worry about it. I've had patience when I, but the time I get in the room, um, the whole thing is in shreds. <laughs> That's me. And I say, <laughs> Let's start over. And I just get them a new gown because I, that's just, you're just a mess. Um, relaxing your legs as far open as they can go. Think uh, like a frog. Sometimes I say like the wings of a butterfly. Um, it helps keep everything relaxed, including your pelvic floor. That makes us be able to see everything we need to see much more quickly. And if we need to feel anything, to feel it um, very rapidly because my goal is to go in and see everything gently but quickly fast I want to be in and out um, because you know that's not I, I'm I don't want to be in there having a date I, I just want to <laughs> get in and get my information and leave and so if you can do that now that being said I know some patients and I do question patients about this if they've had any history of um you know, any assault or abuse or anything like that. And uh, I try to talk through that piece of it. And you can tell they, they will, um, they will sometimes, uh, as Kate said earlier to me in a conversation, they will go, ow, 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 ow. And I haven't really touched them yet. Yeah. So that's a sign. And sometimes when I touch a thigh, I always touch some other body part down there before I t actually touch the genitalia, their vagina or mons or whatever. And if they jump, then I know that there's been some trauma, even if they don't confess to trauma. And so in those situations, I just try to go very slowly and keep checking in with them. Mm -hmm. And um, Kate mentioned also that, you know, making sure that the the drape that's covering them yes. is pulled down so that we can see your face yeah. and know what's going on with your facial expression, even if you aren't, um, you know, speaking or and you're tolerating it okay. Absolutely. We want patients to know that we care about them, not just their, their genitalia. You know, they're more than the sum of their parts. <laughs> um, yeah. That's my that's my reminder to breathe. Yeah. So just like my Apple Watch tells me all the time and I clinically ignore it, uh, <laughs> you need to make sure that you're breathing. So breathing can help you relax as best as you can. We know that when you're holding your breath, everything tends to tighten. And the thing that can make exams uncomfortable is that it's the pelvic floor are made up of a series of muscles. And so when you're tense and your muscles are tense, it's going to be more uncomfortable. So the more you can breathe and relax, uh, you know, let it go. Some people like to listen to music. Some people like to just talk the whole time you know they want to have a conversation to kind of take their minds off of it or you might want it quiet and you just want us to do it but either way do whatever is going to make you relaxed I offer to explain each step as I'm going through it but um, some patients don't want you to they want you to just do it and not mm -hmm. tell them so I will go with whatever you want but if you want to be told that and no one has offered then you need to ask just say can you tell me what you're doing as you're doing it it's, it's a very simple request, and that goes for any provider, any, any physician or any advanced practice provider that you're seeing. That's right, and you should be aware of what's going on. You know, I have a lot of patients who will sometimes transfer in and say, oh, well, I had a pap last year. And when we get their records, they, they did, in fact, not have a pap last year, but they just assumed that because they were having a pelvic exam, that's what was going on down there. So you should really know. Like, if someone's sticking something in your body, you should know why. Yeah, and it's okay to 
um, say stop and the provider should stop and you can offer to do it again next year or in a few minutes or that first exam it doesn't have to be like so fast Mm -hmm. Um, we can take extra time if that's the case Um, and there's something to mention when you're scheduling your appointment is to say this is my very first exam and I'm a little nervous Mm -hmm. that's all yeah it's a simple thing it's very common it's not just you that's right there are many many other folks out there like you Yep. Um, I always offer every patient to have a chaperone. Sometimes my you know, patients I've had for years and years will laugh and be like, what? No, just do the exam. But um, we want to make sure that you have the opportunity to, if you need someone in there, if you want some extra support, if you feel more comfortable having someone, if you want to bring your own person, sometimes people like to bring their partners or you know, a friends, that's totally fine too. So it's okay if you want someone. It's also okay if you don't want someone. Um, but we should be getting into the uh, rhythm, all providers, um, of asking patients if they would like a chaperone? For a long time, um, because I'm a female provider seeing m- females, I wasn't offering chap. I wasn't going in with a chaperone, and mm-hmm. it kind of made me move faster through the day, whereas the male um, providers that I worked with were always, or not always, but most of the time, using chaperones, and I was glad when they did. Um, because I felt like that was appropriate. And then I got I got involved in a law case, in a court case. It wasn't my case, but the patient was suing another provider, and because I had seen her, I kind of got pulled in the web. And the lawyer who was deposing me said to me, so when your medical assistant, your chaperone, what did she say when you said X, Y, and Z to this patient? And I said, huh, what chaperone? And that was a that was a really um, defining moment for me. She said, "You didn't have a chaperone. Okay, stop. It's time out. You really need to have a chaperone, or you need to offer and let your patient decline it. You should not be seeing patients without a chaperone, because um, you, why? Because you're a female. That's not a good enough excuse. You don't know what's going to go on. The very next patient that I saw, I go to my medical assistant and I say." I want you to come in and chaperone. And she said, oh, we're going to do this now. And so um, I said, yes, we're going to do this now, smarty pantalones. Let's go. (laughs) So she comes in with me and the patient says to me as I'm examining her, she said something very vulgar. Why do you have your your fingers in my mm -mm beep so long? I don't understand. You're taking too long. And uh, I immediately took my hands out and I said, you know, we're done. And my assistant said, "Um, you didn't take any longer than I've ever seen you take any other time. Um, Because intermittently she might be in the room doing things, helping me out or whatever. And I said, I didn't. I don't know what she's talking about. But it just goes to show you just that very next patient, she was accusing me of lingering Mm. in her hinterlands and I wasn't. So um, I let them decline, but I try to, yeah, I, I try to have someone else be in the room yeah. because, you know, people, you, you just don't know. You want to protect yourself. You want to protect them, the patient. You want everyone to be feeling comfortable about the whole situation. It's a very intimate situation, and you want it to be a comfortable one for everyone. That's right. 
Um, we we said, obviously, you can say stop and we'll stop. Worst case scenario, we try again next year. And we have other options. Like if we know that it was tough, we can try lidocaine jelly or we can try premedicating you with like a Xanax. I mean, whatever, you know, if you're more comfortable on whatever, watching something on your phone, like we can prepare for it next year. So don't feel bad about that. Um, you don't need a pap every year. We just we talked about that uh, a little bit. We talked about it. You don't th- th- that first exam. You know, you may you may or may not. Each person, it depends on your history. It depends okay. on your algorithm that we come up with, depending on what's what you tell us about your history. So we don't have to do a pap, which is a the the actual pap test is a collection of cervical cells to screen mm-hmm. for cancer. Mm-hmm. That is not the test for, you know, any kind of disease or infection that you may have acquired sexually. That's a s- same process, but a different type of test. Mm-hmm. So um, be clear on that. Just because you said you got a pap, that, that's, a, that's a cancer test, cancer screening. That's not a test for gonorrhea and chlamydia and herpes and different things like that. Yeah. Um, so routine pelvic exams, so or bimanual exams as we call them, which is where the provider places one hand internally um, and one hand externally and tries to feel uh, your structures, so your uterus, your cervix, your ovaries. Um, there are some mixed reviews on those as far as importance. You know, for a long time we did those because that was the quote unquote only way we were screening people for uh, you know things like ovarian cancer, but. You know, the evidence has shown us that it may not be that reliable as far as as a screening tool. You know, depending on the person's size um, or the way that their anatomy is, you may not be able to feel anything at all. Um, and so what they're finding is sometimes the history and sometimes the, um, you know, the, the patient's review of systems is going to be a better indicator. And if we have concerns for those things, things like um, ultrasounds can be more helpful. So um, you may or may not have a pelvic exam. Um, a little spotting after you have your exam, uh, especially a pap test, if you had this screening for cancer, is normal. Um, we are going for gold there. and um, You just want to do it once. We want to just, right, we don't want to have to repeat it because we didn't get sufficient information. Mm-hmm. And we, you are gold, and so we want to just take That's a right. sample of that. And so um, you might get some spotting. That's not, not to cause you alarm. That's right. And finally, I typically use a ton of lubricant. So if I'm doing an exam, whether it's a a bimanual exam or a speculum exam, um, you might be leaking the rest of the day and be like, what the heck? Um, But it's I promise it's sterile water based lubricant. And don't be scared to grab a panty liner um, out of that little basket in your exam office and just place one of those because uh, it might save your underwear. (laughs) (laughs) As 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 women get older, well, I was going to comment on (laughs) Saving your underwear, but I decided against it. Okay. As women get older, um, this is my part. (laughs) Our assessments, um, they might change. You know, sometimes we we add tests. Well, of course, we add, you know, mammograms, and we might alter assessments. Um, Someone with a total hysterectomy may not require um, PAPs anymore, especially if you don't have a cervix, because, um, but it depends on the reason for your hysterectomy. Um, and some women require further testing, like pelvic ultrasounds, mm-hmm. biopsies, colposcopies, which is where we put a little microscope on our eyes and um, sort of uh, look closer at your cervix and sometimes do, do that biopsy sample. And that's not all midwives. Some midwives who are especially trained to do that mm-hmm. will do that. Um, 
And sometimes you need to return for a follow-up visit, IUD placement or check, um, your pills, your your oral contraceptive follow-up or your, your um, depot injection or Gardasil um, vaccination, that kind of thing. Um, uh, with regard to older women, the Gardasil, now hit me to this, there's they increased the age they on, did. on the Gardasil. And so um, yep. because they found that everybody <laughs> deserves to be protected. And it works so well. When you look at the data and you look at the um, you know cervical cancer incidents over the last 20 years, it has plummeted with the use of, of the Gardasil. Gardasil vaccine. We are literally saving lives. So it used to be that if you didn't have it before sexual activity or under, I don't know, right. 25 or something, then you were just kind of like shit out of luck. Right. Um, but right. now the FDA has approved it for women up to the age of 45. So you know what? I've seen women who maybe get divorced you know, at 38, they've only ever had one partner. And they're like, listen, I'm about to jump into that pool. Yeah. I want to protect they myself. They need to get vaccinated. Right, for sure. right. So um, so you're absolutely right. That's now something that we can offer, um, you know, quote unquote, older women as well. Yeah. So things that a lot of patients worry about that I just want you to know providers do not mind. If you're sweating, it's okay. If you're on your period, a lot of times people feel super gross, but we don't mind, okay? We're not scared of blood coming from the vagina. If we were, we'd be in the wrong profession. Yeah. Um, feeling nervous, needing extra time, needing to take a break, that's fine. And finally, the most common thing women uh, or patients that I'm seeing complain about is they are always apologizing for pubic, arm, leg hair, um, oh, all yeah. of those things. And I always look them in the face and say, listen, there is no reason to apologize for your anatomy. There's a reason why we have hair. Everyone's different. If you're comfortable having it, do not apologize. If I was bothered by being in between your legs, again, I'd be in the wrong job. I don't judge for those little um, idiosyncrasies that I presented at the beginning of the podcast. I don't judge patients for not doing that, right. that I have to have my armpit shaved and that I have to trim up my, um, you know, hinterlands down mm -hmm. there and all that. I don't that's not my expectation for you. That's just my own personal thing. That's right. Um, I don't really care. And when I see you in the grocery store, I will not remember that's if your true. feet were done, if your pits were shaved or what was trimmed up or not trimmed up. That's right. I won't remember a thing. I'm. Let me tell you, I'll do really well if I can remember that I saw your, your face. I, I know I won't remember your name, but your face definitely, if we had a pleasant conversation or there was something meaningful in our conversation, yeah. that'll make it stick for me. And that's what I like to do while we're getting through this together. I like to just talk about something you like to do or what you what your hobbies are or whatever. I'm not concentrating on on hair and stuff like that. That's right. I will tell you that I do tease my black patients. I say, now you came in here with these ashy legs, girl, what were you thinking? And they laugh and they say, I'm so sorry. I did have lotion on, but now it went away or whatever. <laughs> I said, well, I'm going to give you some before you leave. And I'm just kidding. Cause I don't have lotion on <laughs> me like that. Anyhow, it's just a, it's just a, it's not a black thing, I guess. It's a joke. It's true. One time she was in my car and she's like, I need some lotion. And she's like digging through my car. I'm like, all I have is Purell. And she's like, you don't have lotion? You don't put lotion on your baby? What do you do when you're about to break, take your kids out of the car? You don't put lotion on them? I'm like, 
no. Like, my kids don't even let me put lotion on. She's like, oh, my gosh. And she said, black women lube their babies up like they just slipped out of heaven. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We grease them up like they just laugh. came down. It made me laugh forever. And really, I did start sort of lubricating my children a little bit better. So <laughs> it was a good lesson. We have good skin all the way till the end. That's right. Let's talk about dispelling some myths a little bit before we uh, wrap it up. Um, the first one I think we already have exhausted is that you don't need a pap every year. I mean, you know, that's the myth is that you do need a pap every year. And the truth is that you don't need a pap every that's year. Right. So we follow a governing body called ASCCP that, based on, you know, years and years of research, gives us an algorithm to follow. So, you know, if your PAP was X, then you need Y. If your PAP was Y, then you need Z, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very, it's a very clear guideline that we follow. And we also discuss with you because I've had women who don't require a PAP, but they're like, I just need you to do it because I'm freaking out. In which case, okay, we'll do a PAP. Yeah. You need an internal exam to get contraceptives. And Mm -mm. no, that's not true. And I had, when I was 15, two internal exams in one year to get contraceptives. Really sad, tragic, but untrue. Yeah, there's um, there's a myth that you can't be examined on your menses, um, and that's not true. I mean, we, we don't mind. We put extra little pads underneath you. If your period's, you know, really heavy, sometimes we might have to have you come back for certain cultures, but there's even a special pap that we can do if you're on your period to try yes. to, you know, get the cells correctly. So don't worry about that. There's a process that um, of sort of rinsing your sample so that the, the cells that have blood are kind of rinsed away and we can... Uh, in the lab and then we they can use the cells that we need so Mm -hmm. you don't you don't need to cancel appointments you don't need to be fearful of that you don't need to be embarrassed of it that's just a part of you we don't concern ourselves with that um the fact you don't need exams after menopause is a big fat lie (laughs) so um don't fall for it you do need exams after menopause. And if you ever bleed after menopause, you need to get an exam that much more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of people think that LGBTQIA people don't need contraceptives or pregnancy tests or STI testing, and that is just not true. So there are so many um, different types of people and different gender nonconforming people that with different needs. So just because someone maybe identifies as a lesbian, if they're in a lesbian relationship with a trans female that still you know has has uh, their born parts like a penis, they could get pregnant, you know, so mm-hmm. things like that. Um, testing, you know, uh, women who are in same-sex couples can actually give themselves, uh, it's not really sexually transmitted, but if one of them has an overgrowth of vaginal bacteria or what we call bacterial vaginosis, they can actually give that to each other. So, um, or they might have terrible periods or they just don't want a period and they want, they're, you know, they're interested in hormonal contraceptives. So for all of those reasons, those things need to be offered to each and every patient. Vaginas smell fishy. Uh-oh said no one ever right and when people make jokes like you know someone's lunch is in the microwave and they say that smells like Mm-mm. no that's not it's not even funny because no. no one's vagina should smell like a fish right and so if it does you need to get yourself quickly to your provider that's right we all have our own pheromones and our own sort of like there's certainly a musk sometimes but if it's fishy if it's like nasty it means you're sick your vagina is sick not you're sick but your (laughs) vagina does not feel well that's its way of telling you i don't feel well 
That's right. Um, you can't get vaginal infections without having sex. That's not true. You know, I've had patients who are maybe younger who come in and have things like UTIs or vaginitis, yeast infections. And they're like, I don't understand. I'm not sexually active. Well, those aren't sexually transmitted. Those are just infections that can come from an imbalance that can come from all different kinds of things. And so if you're having symptoms, even if you're not sexually active, it's important to be examined. You can be in menopause and still have periods. And I think I already discussed that a little bit. Once you have gone through menopause, that is um, 12 months without a period, then you should not be bleeding anymore. And so you need to go back and um, be evaluated for that. Um, Pap test tests for everything. No. So pap tests are just looking at the cells in your cervix, testing for cervical cancers and sometimes the HPV virus that causes cervical cancers. It is not testing you for gonorrhea, chlamydia, trichomonas, yeast, um, bacteria. So those are all different tests. Um, and additionally, it's not telling us about your ovaries or about your uterus and how those things are. So um, it's not testing for everything. It's not totally inclusive. And your provider should be talking to you about assessments um, for other things as well. You should douche, use soap, special specialty clean your vagina or your vulva no you should not please don't um don't do that at all your vagina is a very it's it's a it's an amazing organ and it knows how to clean clear itself out Mm -hmm. quite frankly and you don't need to be pushing things up in it like that um i tell people just water and your fingertips that causes more harm than good it it upsets the balance that's in there that it uses to kind of clear itself and maintain a healthy um, level of, um, you know, of healthy bacteria. And so when you do things like that, you upset the balance. And right. so it's not good. Don't um, do it. Yeah, exactly. I have women who will call and say, I have vaginal discharge, so I have a yeast infection. No. 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 So a yeast infection is a very specific type. And if you have vaginal discharge that is clumpy and irritating and white and burning and, you know, itchy. yeah, yeah. Th- those may be symptoms of yeast infection, but itchy. it's normal. We just talked about how, you know, your vagina is like a self-cleaning oven. So it makes discharge to kind of clear things out and keep a balance. So va- vaginal discharge in and of itself is not harmful um, and can be very normal. Condoms protect against everything. No. No, they do <laughs> not protect it. They're a great idea and you should use them. But things like uh, viruses, like HSV, HPV, things like that, you can certainly still get. Um, you can still contract them, despite the fact that you use a condom. And condoms don't cover your entire genitalia anyway, right. so that you need to be mindful of that. And germs, they run around all over your bottom, front, back <laughs> areas. Right. Hormonal contraception makes you infertile, which is... I don't think that one goes around too much, but that's not true. And if you happen to not be able to conceive after years of using hormonal uh, contraception, it's probably more coincidence and it needs to be investigated why you aren't able to conceive. It isn't because you were on those pills for all those years. Right. Um, Gardasil is dangerous. I, I get this one all the time when I ask women if they've had their Gardasil vaccine. Um, you know, they've heard of like this one person on, you know, this Facebook site that, you know, they died because they got oh. the Gardasil vaccine. And, you know, there probably have been deaths of people who have had the Gardasil vaccine. Um, but there's no research to show that the Gardasil vaccine on its own causes you to die. Um, and in reality, if you are sexually active, literally at all and this is for men women um 
you need this vaccine. You should get this vaccine because it's going to protect you from throat can- throat cancer, um, uterine cancer, vaginal cancer, cervical cancer, anal rectal cancer. I mean, all different types. You know, Michael Douglas just had throat cancer and it was from HPV. Like it, yeah. we all can get it. So, um, you- yeah. And I encourage, you know, boy, mothers of boys or parents of boys that you, they should be getting the vaccination as well. That's right. It will not do just to have girls getting it or young women getting it. And the, the other gender needs to get it also and so that everyone can be protected. That's right. And this is a series of anywhere from two to three vaccinations. So should you be this small part of the population who gets that first vaccine and has some horrible reaction? Okay, then girl don't get it again but that's very rare um and lastly you need a period every month and no you don't need a period every month you sure don't you just don't yep so some people you know if you're on hormonal contraceptives if you're on a progesterone that's sort of protecting your uterus from abnormalities you don't need to have a period um if you're not on any hormones at all and you go i would say more than two to three months without a cycle then we should maybe um check it out definitely um but you don't necessarily need one every month and I think that that pretty much, unless you can think of something else, that pretty much wraps it up. No, I think this was great. Hopefully we answered some questions for everyone out there and, you know, maybe helped dispel some some fears, some concerns, um, helped get you ready. And uh, yeah, you know, the annual exam doesn't have to be terrible. I always tell my patients it'd be super weird if you absolutely loved it. It but, would be. But you shouldn't go in there with dread. You know, it, it shouldn't be feeling like you're about to go to jail. Like it's, it, there's a happy medium somewhere and we hope that you find the right provider to help you reach that. Yeah. So we'd like to thank uh, Baobab Tree Studios, Rev Kev, our new friend, Eamon, um, all of our friends, our family, and you, all of you listeners who make this podcast possible. Please be sure to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen and like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Midwife Crisis Podcast or email us at midwifecrisispodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you and we love getting your input into future um, episodes uh, and getting ideas. We love your ideas. That's right. So until next time, schedule your well GYN exam. And do not douche. (laughs) Bye. Bye.